Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday afternoon, welcome in. You know what it means, Megan. You laugh at me every time I bring up that it's Wednesday. Jesse Montano, Megan Angley. We got Tiff running the board as always. Midweek summer shows, Megan. It's uh, it's been you and I. I think with the exception of the week you were out of town. Every Wednesday now, I'm getting a bit of a routine. I go to put these shows together, and it's always crazy just how quickly one week seems to go in the off season. It's true. It feels like I've been here before. It feels like I've done this exact opening before. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm always like, oh, well, let's see what happened in the last week. It's like, oh, the off season, nothing. We have nothing new to talk about yeah. news-wise. Uh, so we're digging deep into the off season grab bag this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the abs. Uh, you guys, you, AJ Ruto, had the show yesterday breaking down the Ross Colton deal as that news broke about 40 minutes after our uh, Monday show <laughs> ended. Uh, I was actually on the phone driving home and I got the, the text and I interrupted the person I was on the phone with. I was like, son of a bitch. And they were like, what? Was, we just finished a show and the abs broke the one bit of news we've been waiting for weeks for them to break. Uh, so we're going to get in a little bit of what the abs now have left to work with, what they can do. Uh, we are going to we're going to take the off-season bait, talk a little bit about potential rule changes that we would make, maybe some <laughs> procedural stuff. Uh, there's a little bit of a conversation that has sparked this that we'll get into a little bit uh, when we get there. But first, Megan, the, the one little bit of news that the NHL has had floating around now for this last week that we haven't really gotten into fully yet, but there were some new developments, so I want to touch on it. Um, former Av Alex Galchenyuk, uh, was traded to the Nashville Predators as part of the Ryan Johansson deal. He had a, an expiring contract, was going to be UFA either way. Nashville decides not to re uh, retain his rights, goes to the market, signs with the Arizona Coyotes, a place he's been before, a place he's comfortable, signs a two-way deal. Well, within 12 days, that contract is terminated. All the details come out that uh, an intoxicated Alex Galchenyuk was involved in a, I believe, it was a parked car hit and run. I don't officially know if those details have been confirmed one, one way or the other. We didn't hear about any injuries, anybody he injured, you know, hit, anything like that. Involved in a hit and run, then when encountered by police, there's resisting arrest. And then a laundry list of pretty vulgar uh, threats. Obviously, this all comes to light. He was very intoxicated, very, very under the influence. He is since the newest development that I was referring to. He sent letters to the Scottsdale Police Department, the Arizona Coyotes, and their fans apologizing, taking ownership, and then the next day entered the NHL uh, player assistance program. I guess first and foremost, Megan, before we get into what I kind of want to talk about, this is how should this be handled? 
you and I were kind of talking before, and we laugh and chuckle when you made the comment, I feel a little duped because of how, you know, kind of closely you in particular watched Alex Galchenyuk last year, but we got to know him a little bit. Our takeaways were always, wow, this kid's got a great head on his shoulders, really seems committed. What were kind of your thoughts when you saw all of this news starting to break? I was appalled, but also mm-hmm. shocked, like jaw dropped, shocked. Yeah. Um, and you don't hear of this type of thing often with players, but it's frequent enough that I'm not entirely surprised that this happened in hockey, but I was surprised to hear the nature of some of the comments he mm-hmm. made. They were incredibly shocking to me. Racial Coming slurs, him, threats, uh, you know, talking about family members, yeah, things like that. Right. Extremely violent. And honestly, the racial slur component is like almost glossed over because we don't. It's not specified. It's what not it specified, was. Yeah. but it, it's clear who's targeted at. And that's obviously a problem. And mm-hmm. It's shocking because of the player that I came to know last year in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, there's a, a couple branching off points in that conversation too. One of which being, you don't know what someone's going through. Totally. And that's I great, think that's great way the to start that. overarching takeaway in this and any other problems that players might be having away from the ice that no matter how they conduct themselves with you, especially like I'm just media, you know, I'm not going right. to have the best grasp on this. But I wanted to touch on what I saw from Galchenyuk that I thought that made this especially shocking. And it was, you know, in talking with Craig Morgan about Alex Galchenyuk as a player, Mm -hmm. too, he affirmed that this was a player that was liked by coaches and a coachable player. And this was good work ethic on the ice, good work ethic. And this was all true of Alex Galchenyuk in Colorado as well. Um, but I just thought he took things to such a next level because he was asked to reinvent himself as a player. It wasn't just taking instruction. It was changing his identity, which required confronting what was once this 30 goal scorer who was aim on the ice was to be an offensive threat to now become so reliable defensively that that was actually a part of his game. And so I think that change required Alex Galchenyuk to reflect inwards a little bit too about the type of player that he is. And it required that next level commitment then. And so this was what I observed in Loveland in practices, the Mm -hmm. one-on-one extra time that he put in with Greg Cronin asking questions. And this does not speak to his off ice behavior at all, but I just, it makes the parallels hard to draw or it, the lines, the dots hard to does, connect. Because then in talking with him, this is where the player with a good head on his shoulders comes into play. Mm-hmm. This is someone who seems to have a strong sense of self and is saying all of the right things. Uh, something that Craig Morgan actually mentioned too, like he mm-hmm. can say all the right things. Um, and so it was just, it was really disappointing because it wasn't just talk. There were actions with this yeah. and the change in the reinvention we saw with Alex Galchenyuk because this, to me, was a player who was okay playing in the American League because he was just working on getting better. Right. And so I don't even feel that he felt some type of way being resigned to Loveland for the year. Um, I mean, he signed a two-way deal in Arizona. He was saying, I- I'm, I'm willing to put in the work. Exactly. And honestly, probably with full understanding that he'd spend a lot of time with the Roadrunners. Right. But being content with that because he was just going to work hard. And that is what made this overall really shocking coming from Alex Galchenyuk, but it's also a player who had some history and it's like, Mm -hmm. I was just kind of blind to it. I, I, well, it's, it's one of those things where like I I mentioned there off the top, I I got to know him when he was with the avalanche, you know, training camp and then his, you know, couple call-ups there. I, I always made a point to go talk to him because I thought in training camp, 
wow, you know, speaks really well, uh, doesn't shy away from taking questions to the media. In fact, they're involved in the media, um, you know, with what people are saying, what people are doing, good answers. I'm just, I'm here to get better. It's been such a treat getting to talk to these guys, getting to work alongside these guys. So that was my view. I mean, and, and again, that's just the, the part that, it's not that you're naive, not you, proverbial you. I it's am. Not, it's not that, not that you're naive to it, but but it's like when you see certain behaviors, you assume that those more or less translate. It's not always straight across, but like for the most part, a lot of the players that I have found in, in my you know career doing this, yeah, the guys that you hear a little bit about off the ice, they can be a little prickly with the media because they feel like people are trying to get them and find them out and expose them. And I just never got that sense from Alex Galchenyuk. Like he was... He's open. Right. He's like he book. had anything to hide or, or whatever. So I think it was... <clears throat> I don't think. It was a surprise to both of us. And I think there was a lot of people it was a surprise to to not only hear what happened, but the nature of what happened. Here is my question. From everything we know, uh, again, I, I want to make sure I'm making clear... None of what he said or did is okay. He's probably going to get in trouble for it legally. I mean, DUI is not a joke. Well, and I don't know if he was in charge with impaired driving or not. I, think I, they... I thought it. I thought I saw DUI hit and run okay. as, as part of it. Um, but I mean, you know, whether it be resisting, threatening, intimidating, you know, he's probably going to get in some legal trouble for this. Right. So I am not intimidating. Property hit and run. Yes. Prop, That's a problem. Property That's hit and a problem. Run. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, th th there's going to be some legal implications here. And by no means am I, what I'm about to say next does absolve him from anything. I wanted to talk about this because it's, it's a technically a nonviolent crime, right? Like there's no victim on the other side of this. How should the league and you know we're talking about the nhl but really i think this can extend to other leagues i mentioned to you before we got on air here i never liked the way that the nfl handled the melvin gordon dui right before he was acquired by the broncos hey one game suspension but you can tell us when you want to serve that game i i hated that i thought that didn't send any kind of punishment message at all how should the nhl and, and other leagues handle things like this should it be hey if you're convicted of a crime you pay your time legally and then you're good. Should there be suspensions? Should there be fines? Should there be, you know, blacklist periods? Do, do you have any hard feelings one way or the other on stuff like this? Well, what makes this tough is because his contract was terminated. He's not like currently linked to an NHL right. team to have some sort of discipline enforced. Mm -hmm. And the part that's tough too is it's easy to make an example of Alex Galchenyuk because of who he is as a player. Yeah, I would be really concerned if we're quick to talk about disciplining Alex Galchenyuk, like mm -hmm. having league enforced or team enforced discipline. And obviously just, I want to interject. This all comes under the guise of fair legal process. If he goes right. through all of it and, 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 you know, so I want to make sure that that's clear. This is under the assumption of those letters sounded pretty like he was admitting. Yes, I did this stuff. Yes, it was bad. So that's why I'm talking about this side of it too. I just want to make sure that well, we're clear with, we're not jumping to conclusions. Well, here. and I guess too, like even if the legal side aside, I think the teams reserve the right to totally. handle this. However, they choose no matter what the legal proceedings reveal. And I think that's, that's what makes it interesting. Cause it's like the teams also reserve the right at any time to deem a lot of things, a material breach mm -hmm. of contract. And it could include things that aren't always legally prosecuted that are still 
players not doing the right thing that should be disciplined. So that's why I'm like, I think teams have a little bit of leverage here Mm -hmm. to make those decisions, to discipline players in these situations for not doing the right thing, no matter if the legal situation or not. Because I think there are going to be times where players aren't legally prosecuted for things, but teams are aware of some off-ice problems that could warrant intervention or discipline. Mm -hmm. Honestly, probably both. Like Mm -hmm. if there's an off-ice issue that warrants discipline, it also probably warrants some kind of intervention if there's a problem. And I guess where I'm going with this with Alex Galchenyuk is I don't know if he's going to get an NHL contract or even an American League contract. Like it, it might not be something we can discuss yet because nothing might come of it. Like there might not be a team willing to take a chance on Alex Galchenyuk to even have to make that decision. And it it, it makes it tough then. Cause it reminds me honestly, like of Mike Richards in the issues with LA. Um, It was like another player declining in his career that you could kind of make an example of. And I feel like kind of sends a tough message because this is something that should matter all the time, no matter who the player is, because not only is it an off-ice problem because he did the wrong thing, this is also a player that is struggling with something right. and needs some help. Right. Could this have been spotted? And and so I guess the other... <sighs> That's the other, a great point, Here's the other man. part of the conversation is it happens in the off-season. Right. We talked about this before going on air, how this is a really tricky time for this to happen, but also a really unsurprising time for it to happen right. because players are away from their routine they're away from their support system if you're to believe that is their teammates and also the staff that's made available to them. Like, I don't know even the full ins and outs of this, but I know the Eagles employ a full-time sports psychologist that is available to them all the time. Greg Cronin was happy to talk about this and was quick to say, like, there are players who could utilize the sports psychologist and don't, and he doesn't yeah. fully understand why. So that's like the Eagle side of it. I have to imagine the abs at their disposal have, have, something, have yeah. a lot more tools. So in the off season, I'm then wondering what support is available to players when they're away from their routine and they're away from that support staff. Are there still, I don't want to say eyes on them. Like players no, require no, but, but No, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But that's actually where I'm going with this is like, it's an... So, I don't want uh, to branch off too soon, but too soon. But I want to talk about education, like for players. Well, so well, uh, okay, well, I was gonna try to maybe tie into what you're saying a little bit. Of uh, I've talked about it before on different shows we've done. Hockey is a unique sport in the way that players come up through the ranks. A lot of these guys are leave home at a very young yes. age, and their support system does become teammates, staff, coaches. You know. Uh, agents, you know, family managers, whatever it is. And so when you're away from that, like you're saying, it's not that they need supervision, but that's all they've ever known. All they've ever known is being around the guys and be around this, that, and the other. So when you're not, it's very fish out of water feeling. And like you said, it's unfortunately not overly surprising that these types of things happen when they are away from what I think referring to the team as a support system is 100% spot on. It's hard to not have somewhere to report to in the off season. Yes. And I think then there's a, a greater conversation too about what's going wrong then with players like that they can't be away from the team mm-hmm. it, well, because it is such high risk for players who might be dealing with some kind of substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. addiction related issues. 
And, and obviously it's, it's easy to point to this one and, and, and ask this question. But the other thing you and I mentioned, obviously the NHL has been very lucky with this in the past. We don't see a lot of these types of issues, but when they do crop up like this one with Galchenyuk, it makes you ask these types of questions and, and, and it makes you wonder about how, how do you fix that? How do you make these things better? And how do you, you know, how, how do you impact change? And that's really kind of the, 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 where I was going with or where we were going with that initial question of, I don't know, does the league saying, Hey, if you get in legal trouble in the off season, it's an automatic 10 games, you know, and then obviously you can adjust from there depending on the scale of it. Does that help deter guys? Does that help give them a sense of accountability? I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we have the answer, but it's just interesting because you see these instances and it, and it, it begs all these questions. I don't, I probably have to think about it more, but like, I don't necessarily mind the idea of an automatic suspension mm -hmm. for this type of thing. Um, but I worry that it wouldn't be much of a deterrent if it is caused by a substance related issue, because mm -hmm. I don't think they're thinking with a no, clear I, mind. I, and, I that, and, and that's what makes it tough. But I, I think it's not a bad idea though, because there are players who make poor decisions away from the rink and don't have a substance abuse right, issue. Right. And then there's just an accountability issue. Right. So that's why I'm like not necessarily opposed well, and, to it. And the other thing, and then we can, we can move on because this opens up a whole new can of worms, but the, you know, the no consequences, no substance abuse, that really does go all the way back to the root of what a lot of these pro sports conversations are of all of these people are, they were the best on their local team. They were the highest thought of. They've been told their entire lives. You can get away with all kinds of stuff. Like I said, that kind of goes down a new road. So we don't have to open up that can of worms. Um, you hope Alex Galchina gets the help he needs as part of the player assistance program. Um, I, I had nothing but good interactions with him last year. And so I'm, I'm rooting for the guy and I hope he gets better. Uh, I do too. Anything, I'll say anything else on no, Galchina? No, I just want to emphasize that he's not absolved of accountability. Like totally. you mentioned earlier, what he said was not okay. Yep. And I hope he does get the help he needs. Yep. No, hundred percent. That, that, that's, that's a great note to leave it on. We understand things happen and, and, and we really liked our limited interactions with him, but that does not absolve him uh, from any of the accountability, which it sounds like he is only up to take. Uh, this is a DNVR avalanche podcast off season edition. Jesse Montano, Megan Angley, we got Tiff running the board. We're brought to you guys today by Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, really, they have a beer for anything that you might need here in the summer, the official beer of DNVR. We have a bunch of their beers on tap. Uh, they will be hosting World Cup viewing parties. So if you can't get down to the DNVR bar or if it's too packed, uh, go on down to the farmhouse. They're great friends of ours. They have all kinds of delicious beers. The Palisade Peach, uh, Strawberry Sky, some of our favorites for the summertime. Uh, I think they've still got the seltzers going, uh, I believe. Uh, the Good Company Hard Seltzers, also great now that it's so hot out, nice, crisp, and refreshing for you guys. Use the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com uh, to find the low... Oh my gosh, this part always shows you up. To find the location nearest you, uh, available in all 50 of the United States. So as long as you are in one of the 50 United States, you should be able to use that Breck Beer Locator to find a liquor store near you, uh, breckbrew.com. Also brought to you guys by our good friends down at Illegal Pete's. Just down the road, uh, there's a location uh, here by the DNVR bar, but they have locations in Colorado, Arizona. Longest happy hour in town. We talk about it every week. This is the only happy hour. It goes till 8 o'clock. 
It's like the only one that you can get off work and like reasonably get there in time and have more than one drink that you're just like drinking as fast as you can. That's a great point, yeah. This has always been my beef with happy hours around town. Is it like, yeah, till 5.30. It's like, full shit. You have to work directly next door to wherever right. that place is. Right, and then like at best you're getting two. Not the case with Illegal Pete's. They have delicious margaritas and obviously awesome food. Uh, so if you are heading on down to the DNBR bar, uh, now, you know, as we get closer and closer to Bronco season getting going, uh, head on down, stop at Illegal Pete's, start with their happy hour, get some food, then come on down here, hit our happy hour, hit our food, then you can go back and, and continue with the happy hour that's going over there because it's going all day long. Um, like I said, Illegal Pete's, Colorado and Arizona, and there is one just two blocks, I believe, uh, from us here where we are sitting right Which now. It's funny about being directly next to it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's really easy yeah, to get yeah. to. It's really easy to get there, and it goes much later than everyone else. So uh, get to your local illegal Pete's. And if you're not here in Colorado when you come to town, come see the DNVR bar. Make sure you are stopping in uh, to see our good friends down there. Maybe I'm fighting off a sneeze here, but I think I'm going to make it through. Uh, DNVR Avalanche Podcast, Jesse, Megan, Tiff uh, here on Wednesday afternoon. Okay, we'll shift the gear from the, the serious conversation, but we're going to stay in that kind of same vein of how do we think the league should handle stuff. So I'm going to give a little bit of context. Monday afternoon, we wrapped the show, and the conversation went down the road of Andrew Cogliano. Breaks his neck in game six of the first round series against Seattle Kraken returns to the game, finishes it out. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think he played a ton, but he did come back and took multiple shifts. Uh, then the next morning it is announced. Well, actually it was the next afternoon because it was announced after department of player safety said there would be no submetal discipline for Jordan Everly. It was announced out, uh, Andrew Cogliano broke his neck and wouldn't be returning for the series. We got into a heated debate about how can you handle this better? How can you police players being able to come back, not come back when you can take players at their word? When can't you? And we're not going to go down that road. Was it heated? That's what Lindsay said. Lindsay Spano came down. I was like, man, things are getting heated down here. We were like, we don't think so. No, I recall... I can't even repeat it here, but I recall something that I said verbatim that I don't think I've ever said before. I said, be so yeah, yeah, serious yeah. right when, now. When you said that, I was like, I've never heard Megan say something like that. Um, but, but so we're not going to go down that, that road. But it did lead to the fun off-season conversation that we are going to have now. We're each going to give one rule change that we would make if Gary Bettman gave us the, the keys What's one rule change and what's one procedural change? I'll start on the procedural change side just to kind of set the example for what we're talking about here. The NHL technically, Megan, has a clock that starts running that allows, that says coaches are only allowed to challenge a goal within this time frame. That has never once been enforced in the NHL. When that clock hits zero, it's like the old Domino's 30-minute guarantee. Hey, your pizza will be there in 30 minutes or it's late. And that was it. There was no follow-up on that. And if it is... Yeah. Oopsie poopsie. Yeah, it's like, you know, doesn't matter. No discount. No free breadsticks. Nothing. It's like, oh, sorry about that. Your pizza was late. For optics only. Right, right, right. Yeah. um, That's what the challenge clock is now. For me, uh, I would give a... Is 30 seconds too quick? 
So what did you say? It's about so 45 seconds I, now. I believe the technical clock now is 45. I don't mind giving them the 45 seconds. It just has to be a hard, hard 45. 45. And I think that's my biggest issue with so many of the reviews is if, you, if you're needing seven minutes to tell, it didn't impact the play. So that's my thing. Give them 45 seconds, set it at a, as a hard clock. From the minute it is signal goal on the ice, because they have guys checking immediately on offsides. They have video coaches checking before the puck even goes in so that they know if they need to challenge or not. I think the minute it is signal a goal on the ice, that clock starts at the exact same time as the, the scorekeeper stops the clock. A new clock should start 45 seconds. If it hits zero, if you haven't not only flagged the ref, but told the ref yes or no, it's over. The goal stands and we're moving on. That is one procedural change that I would make tomorrow for the NHL. I don't think you have to test pilot that. You don't have to talk to anybody. I don't even think you should need a vote on that. That should be something that's just a clear cut. You got 45 seconds. Well, and it lends itself to a part of the conversation we were having about the importance of, especially in the eyes of players and organizations, any perceived advantage. And there's absolutely a perceived advantage that would frustrate teams if they're given longer mm -hmm. than the 45 seconds. And because there's no enforcing that right now, that could be varying degrees of an advantage. Like totally. if it's an extended amount of time after the 45 seconds, this is something I think that players and teams would reasonably feel upset by. And so it would mitigate that if it was actually enforced. Right. It should have been from the jump. I, I go back to, I believe it was game three of the Stanley Cup final in 2022 when Tampa took two minutes, over two minutes to decide if they wanted to challenge. Jared Bednar was very upset after the game. And I remember there was an ES, the ESPN like quest for the cup where they have a bunch of people mic'd up. On that challenge, they have John Cooper mic'd up and you can hear the ref five times after he comes over he comes over and he says all right john i need an answer right now you got to tell me right now and then five times the ref goes yes or no right now yes or no right now yes or no it's like okay well obviously not obviously it's not <laughs> right yes or now. no right now or else yeah. buddy i really made it this <laughs> or I, time uh, or i don't, will ask again don't make me get your mom right and it's like that that's the stuff to me that needs to go away don't even put it in the ref's hands hey john you got five seconds Three, two, clock hit zero. Goal no, no, stands. I want to do it. Sorry, it hit zero. Yeah, goal the goal stands. stands. You, you, you missed the clock. You missed the window. Time's up. I think the NHL needs to do that. I think so too. Especially, you know, John Cooper. Like, this is something that coaches are wise to presently right. too. Right. And are going to maximize. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, I don't blame them for then capitalizing on a strategy right. if it's otherwise Take not going to be it if they're enforced. Not, yeah, I don't right. blame them one bit, but... Yeah, that's, it's not on the coaches. It's on the league. No, 100%. Do you have a procedure change? I know I threw this to you about an hour before. Well, so. so I'll use what we sort of talked about in the conversation because I feel like we were all in agreement with this one and it relates to the concussion spotters. Yes. And the procedure change is they need to have some sort of history of other players who sustained a concussion 100%. that they can refer to. So when they're pulling a player, they even if it's maybe a more shortened history, mm -hmm. they need a little bit of a database to work off of to know if a player has recently sustained another concussion mm -hmm. and have that way in their decision for a player to return to the ice because of Kale McCarr specifically yep. having a concussion so recently cushioned alongside getting pulled. It just felt... Like that should have been weighted in the consideration. 
So yeah, there, we were all definitely disagreeing on, on different aspects of how people can handle this, but this is my favorite part about having arguments, lively conversations, whatever you want to call them with people that are in this field, because we all understand that like, we're just arguing, you know, it's all just opinions and whatever. And you always get these moments where it went from all of us arguing different points to, I think it was you who said like, they need to have more history. Everyone was like, yes. Oh my gosh, we all universally agree with this. Like this heated argument broke to everyone being like, yep, we're on the same page about this. What Megan's referring to is Kale McCarr having the concussion, missing multiple games, coming back 10 days later, takes a hit to the head. And I don't even know if the concussion spotters pulled him. I thought he went to the locker room for something else. And that was part of like the egregiousness after which we were like, concussion spotters? And he was like, no, not at all. We were dealing with this. Which is, if that is how it played out, 10 right. times more of an right. issue. Like, then how does the... Because I imagine the concussion spotters... Because Jared Bednar explained they're like third party, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the problem. I think they need to get integrated with the league because that concussion spotter has no familiarity with right. Kale McCarr having previously been pulled and recently had a concussion. I, I completely agree with this. I, I think for any given game, concussion spotters need to have both rosters and a list of any guys who have had a head injury within the last three years yeah at least yeah just so that you can be because that I, I think that that does weigh into it that's where concussions start getting scary is the repeat uh, offenders i guess technically but you know the, the repeat hits to the head that's where it becomes a problem so if you see something that's maybe questionable and you check your seat your, your sheet oof yeah he had a concussion three months ago Let's pull him, get him in the dark room, whatever, whatever. That was a borderline. His head hit the, the boards when he right. went back. We maybe normally wouldn't pull that, but looking at the history, we need to pull it. I think that's a great one, Megan. Um, my rule change, I'm actually going to steal AJ's because I, I've my like personal favorite one is getting rid of the blue line, but that would never happen. I love AJ. He AJ's take on this that he's brought up before. You take a penalty within the last two minutes, the game clock should extend to the end of the the power play. And the argument that he has made before is, well, if there's a guy wide open in front of the net with a second and a half left and the puck's coming right to him, what's to stop you from just tomahawking his stick in half? Right. There's no real consequence to it. The clock will run out or they'll get a face off with 0.7 seconds left. And it's like, there's no consequence for taking egregious penalties with just seconds remaining. No, I think that's a great rule change because it comes down to like, I think players understand, sure, there could be supplemental discipline that follows sure. potentially, but this is about winning this game right now. Right. And that is going to supersede the decision making. Right. And that's why it's not incentive enough to even have supplemental discipline at the other end of it, because it's also not enforced consistently enough. <laughs> and it's actually such a joke that I, I don't think players are considering this. Yeah. They're taking that gamble every time. hundred um, percent. Do you have, do you have a rule change that you would put in? No, I didn't. I didn't think hard enough about rule change. I think it would involve delay of game, but I haven't that decided was, yeah. how I'd like to change it. Because I, the delay of game, like the puck over glass, you yes. mean, it's so hard because like these guys are good enough that like, they would do it. Yes, they would. I don't think they usually are. Right. So it's like, is there a way? See, I I, I like the suggestion of make it like an icing. You can't change. You're you're stuck on the ice. I like that too. Because I I I do think there needs to be something for it. Because I mean, players used to do it. Right. 
that's what I'm saying. I don't <laughs> doubt that they would try to take advantage of this. If, right. It just feels like, okay, I feel like we've earned a little bit of trust. Can yeah. we handle this if we take this out and change it? And then if, if they d- can't handle it, it goes back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I also think... Um, objective penalties should also be reviewed puck over glass high stick um i mean those might just be it where it's like these are black and white by the rule did the stick hit him in the face or didn't it because right. the thing has always been if you're going to implement review it's to get the call correct and make sure that you're not Im- impacting the game in a negative way Penalties can do that. I like the step they've taken with the major penalties, uh, but I do think that you could expand that to, was that his stick or was it a teammate's stick, even if it didn't draw blood? I think it's an interesting proposal because it would probably disrupt gameplay just a little bit, Mm -hmm. but how much? Like, what is the frequency at which we could reasonably expect this to be something that's challenged? Because it does change the course of the game to get these things wrong. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I think totally. it was Devon Taves and Lafreniere, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, you are. And that yep. was not good. And <laughs> I felt like I felt bad for the Rangers in that situation mm-hmm. and wished that that could be handled differently. So, and I bet the Rangers felt similarly. Right. So, and, and I really do think you could even do something like if you wanted to pull a ref off the ice, you don't even have to hire a different person. But to me, that's just there's one person at each game that that's what they're watching. If there's a high sticking call while it's all being announced on the ice, just have them review it real quick. If it looks maybe questionable, that's where you, you know, blast the horn, call the ref over, have them take a quick look at it too. And in, in 95 plus percent of instances, got the call right. We don't need to stop. We don't need to look at anything. But I think there needs to be someone that's looking at those penalties that are black and white. Don't just leave it to what the refs saw on the ice if you're truly trying to get all these calls right. Yeah, because mistakes do happen. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I think the game's at a good spot. There's always minor tweaks uh, you could make. DNVR Avalanche Podcast. Jesse, Megan, Tiff here on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, brought to you guys by Shady Rays. Uh, damn, we didn't get any Shady Rays delivered mid-show this week to really help out with this race. Oh, shit. <laughs> Tiff, Tiff almost just flung a pair over here. Bet they wouldn't have broken. Um, no, they're, they're, they're great. We talk about it all the time. It's, it's so nice to have a nice pair of sunglasses that you can get at an actual, realistic, affordable price. And right now, if you go to ShadyRays.com, S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S.com, use the code DNVR, you're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. So you can try the shades that have been rated five stars by over a quarter of a million people. Uh, Like I said, it's ShadyRays.com. Or if you want to try them uh, in person for yourself, you can head to their brick and mortar inside of the Park Meadows Mall here in Lone Tree, uh, Colorado, so you can... Shop them all, try them all on, talk to their great staff there. They're all super, super friendly, uh, helpful, knowledgeable, all that good stuff. Um, Of course, they come with their 30-day guarantee. If you break them, lose them, uh, or just want to replace them, you don't like the pair, they will swap them out for you at no cost. ShadyRays.com, or you can stop into their brick and mortar here in the Park Meadows Mall if you are local in Colorado. Also brought to you guys by Bacchus and Shanker. Get back to the Shanker, call 222-2222. They've been winning for Colorado families for over 25 years. If you've been injured uh, in an accident, that was not your fault. 
car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, scooters, or if you were injured at work and you were not at fault, give Backus and Shanker a try. You don't pay a thing until they win for you. So they'll take your case. They'll listen to it. They'll tell you if you have a case and you don't pay them a thing until they win money for you. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients uh, and in these last 25 years. And they've now got more offices in Colorado to help serve uh, local Coloradans even better. Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. You can find a Bacchus and Shanker location. Again, give them a call, 222-2222 to find out if you have a case uh, and win some money today. Megan, we're going to round out today's uh, show talking just briefly about what the abs uh, have left to do. They get Ross Colton signed four by four. Uh, I wasn't on the show yesterday, but we don't need to go back all the way into that. I imagine the consensus was a little bit more than kind of what everyone thought, but there's a chance for him to play into that role. And with the cap going up, you probably feel fine. Yeah, that was the takeaway. I felt like, too, it was still kind of controversial, though. People are, are not super thrilled about the price point still. Yeah. I think the part that people were most reactive to was the suggestion that Ross Colton could play second line minutes periodically, like in a similar capacity mm -hmm. as an Evan Rodriguez type where it's a flex situation. Mm -hmm. Do you envision that being a possibility down the road? Uh, I mean, I think he will. I mean, I think that's just, to me, I really look at him as the JT, JT Conver replacement. You're removing JT, you're adding Ross Colton, you're going to need him to be a little bit swiss army knife ish i know his defensive game isn't to the the level that that jt confers is but what confer brought to you was that ability to flex up the lineup ross colton's gonna have to do that at some point i think a lot of the things he does well colorado does really well to me this is a player who just fits in with what the abs do um megan i've been laughing you know there's been a lot of criticism these last couple of days over the ross colton number um a lot of the analytical models are coming out today and they do not like the avalanche which i do find really funny as someone who isn't a you know massive analytics person i do find it funny that there's a bunch of these you know the analytics crowd that we know that people know on twitter put stuff out and they're almost like criticizing what like their own stuff they're putting out. Like, yeah, I don't know. My model likes it. You know, like they have Winnipeg winning the Western conference in some of these and the abs barely squeaking in a wild card spot. Wow. And it's like, I don't know. I, that's just not how I see things. I, I think Ross Colton's going to fit in nice. And I think in a year and a half, you're not even going to blink at $4 million for him. I think so too. I actually think that part of it, I know everyone talks about the cap going up, but I think that part of it's going to age actually kind of well. I agree. I think this caliber of player is going to be around that as a starting point moving forward and above that. And so getting that locked in for a few years now probably benefits Colorado in the long run. So that leaves them with roughly, I, I don't know exactly what the dollar figure is, and, and it kind of changes anyways depending on what they do yeah. with Ben Myers. Yeah. Right, at a, right around three to three and a half million dollars that they've got left to play with. What would you like to see the abs do with this remaining money? Hmm. And obviously if you go look at cap friendly right now, for anybody that's listening, it's going to show the abs are over. You have to take into account $7 million of Gabe Landeskog's money also coming out of that um, as part of long-term injured reserve. So what is it? Three point. It's, it's saying 2.8. 
Okay, so yeah, so right around three. I thought it was right around three million. So two point eight is what it's showing, um, with Gabe Landeskog hitting LTIR. Knowing that number and knowing that Ben Myers probably you're probably looking closer to two million once you factor in whatever Ben Myers ends up doing. Right. What are you well, doing with that money? And that's what I'm wondering with Ben Myers. Like the qualifying offer is right around the eight hundred thousand, mm-hmm. like above that. And I don't know then if it's if they're going to offer anything above that or mm-hmm. not. Um so yeah, we're looking at around two, which is actually not a bad number for it's not, it's not a forward position for the third line that they're looking yep. to fill. And it's interesting too, because I'm so locked into it being a forward destined for the third line. But I guess I wanted to open the possibility. Like, is there another position or place that you could see that money being used towards? I I could see them, Megan. I, I could see them using it for a bottom pairing defenseman. I just think there's more intriguing forward names out there right now. So uh, if you told me they use it on a defenseman, I wouldn't be shocked. But I think it's a forward. We got a little carried away on the show yesterday, but we feel Sam Malinsky exists. And mm-hmm. so it is going to be a forward because they don't, yeah. need to, they don't even worry about it. That was a little too much. I think we no, got but, a little but, carried away, but I got excited. AJ abs, got excited. The abs organization is high on him and they have shown in years past when they are high on a prospect internally, they are going to give that person opportunities. I think they're really high on Sam Malinsky. I think so too. And it's shocking because he's so young and his path to the NHL is like not a Kale McCarr path, for Mm -hmm. example. Like I've seen them take this sort of a risk with a Logan O'Connor type and even that it was sort of a short leash entry. This will be a huge leap Mm -hmm. to allow. I mean, Mm -hmm. all right, he's turning 25. I shouldn't describe him like he's a baby. I agree with you. I think it'd be a pretty big leap. This is, I'm going to say it's going to be more so unprecedented is Mm -hmm. where I'm going with this. If Malinsky is truly given a little bit of opportunity to be bottom pairing seventh man in that arena, I'm going to be genuinely a little surprised, but very (sighs) excited by it. And I think that's something to get excited about if the Avs do take that kind of a swing on a young defenseman. Uh, I'm with you. I, 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 for me, I think there are three guys that the abs should go just put contracts in front of and be like, if you want it, we're not going to negotiate. You can have it. It's Vlad Tarasenko. I, I think they're <laughs> probably out on that now money wise. Um, I, I thought if they could get out of the Ross Colton thing with $3 million to spare that they would be in that. So I'm probably ruling that one out. Yeah. And then to me, it's one you're going to like and one you're not going to like. I think you put a one-by-one in front of Jonathan Taves and say, if you're coming back, we'd love to have you in our bottom six. Be our third-line center. Then you're running McKinnon, Johansson, Taves, and Colton down the middle in some form or fashion. And I think you feel really good about that. And the other is Danton Heinen. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say... I thought... Jonathan Taves was the one you thought I would like. No, I thought you wouldn't like that one. I thought somewhere in there you were about (laughs) to say Patrick Kane. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. No, and then the other one's Danton Heinen, and you you give him the the Evan Rodriguez deal. I'm high on Danton Heinen, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure he fills the need the third line needs. Like... To me, that's an extra guy in your bottom six, and here's why Taves and Heinen are my two guys, because I think you can do that, leave yourself a little bit of extra cash to play with, then come trade deadline or as the season moves on, you're leaving yourself a little bit of room as you accrue cap space and as cap hits come down throughout the year, 
you leave yourself open to be able to potentially add one more. To me, those are two guys that kind of like Lars Eller, they fit in a position of need, maybe not the position of need, but they kind of elevate everybody. They give us more depth and it would leave the door open that you could leave yourself with maybe a million dollars to play with in season. I still love the Danton Heinen possibility. I just find it a little hard to believe, but there's a lot of obvious reasons why he has already existing ties to Colorado. Mm-hmm. I reflect on the last year that he had, and maybe that's what gives me concern a little bit, is there was a bit of a backslide. And I think some of that was things just going sour with Pittsburgh a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they became... I'm trying to find a comparable, too, but I just felt like he was given a really short leash, Mm -hmm. not allowed a lot of room to make mistakes, and the slowed product... Honestly, like, Alex Newhook is a similar... In terms of the production was the issue, too. Like, he just Mm -hmm. wasn't producing enough to justify staying in the lineup, and Mm -hmm. so he was getting sat. And that gives me a little bit of pause, but I also know what he's capable of, and I know what his work ethic is like, and I know that that would culturally fit so well in Colorado. I would be so excited, I think, too, if it was something like third line but could be on the fourth line it would make so much sense to me Mm -hmm. i think people might be frustrated with him at times but i also feel like players come to colorado and see a bump in their production generally i think this is true of evan rodriguez though a lot more was asked of him in coming here i I was gonna say that is the distinction though is i like i think if it's a guy like danton heinen it's like we need you to be a couple very specific things like we don't we just had the ross colton conversation we don't need you to do that we need you to be good at what you're good at. And, and that's why I wonder, like, do they target someone who's more, whose specialty is more penalty killing? Do you have like, a name? No. Okay. No. Well, actually, is he still available? I mean, I was going to say, that's the other problem is there's just, when you, when you look at what's left, that's part of why I say make a couple cheap offers. If you get one, great. If not, leave the door open for yourself. There's, there's going to be talent that's available in season. I agree with that. Um, don't I think they made they made a lot of smart moves this summer. Don't make a dumb one at the last second. No, I don't think they are too. And honestly, the amount of money they've invested in Miles Wood and Ross Colton combined, I think they're going to be really incentivized to support that mm-hmm. with talent. Mm-hmm. And they obviously are limited in what they can do specifically, but I think they are going to make a pretty good choice there. I agree. Uh, Megan, anything else for this Wednesday afternoon? No. Nope. All right. I think that's it. I think that's it for today. Uh, Big shout out to Tiff, as always, making sure that we sound right, look right, all of that good stuff. Uh, For Megan Angley, I'm Jesse Montano, and I'm reminding you, for the second week, Tiff bails me out, even though I mentioned it before the show. Become a DNVR diehard today. Uh, Go to thednvr.com, get signed up. Uh, You got exclusive content you get access to, written pieces, uh, videos, audio, podcasts, all kinds of stuff that you get exclusive. Plus you get member discounts. You get discounts here at the bar on merch, uh, all of that good stuff. We are going to have more diehard stuff going this year than ever. Um, watch alongs, party buses, um, take, you know, take over events, events here at the bar, priority seating, all of that good stuff. Uh, so go to the dnvr.com, get signed up, become a diehard today and start getting in on all those diehard member uh, exclusives and perks. There's no better time to do it. 
There's no better time to do it. You got two championship contenders. You got Russell Wilson looking for the comeback season. The Rockies are a baseball team. Yeah, it's, you, you get a free shirt every year. There's not a better time. Become a, day, a DNVR diehard today. Double shout out to Tiff this time for again reminding me. Um, DNVR Avalanche podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys.